Welcome to Express Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are a ministry of Arizona Message Ministry, the message to the number two dot US. We are supported financially by HaribouBooks.com. Make sure you go on there, buy some of the books that are there, donate them to your school, donate them to your church, donate them to your library so we can get the message of hope and the message of encouragement out. Enjoy the podcast. I'm on the phone today in a Zoom call with two great men, men that I look up to, Dr. Dennis Zachary, and I'm going to call him Principal Hamilton Bell. We're on the Express uh, podcast talking today about the first love. The sermon on the first love was uh, about our love for God and, and our love for our wives. So I wanted to get two men that I respect and look up to their marriage to. And so, Doc, since you're on and it's your Zoom call, what did you? Th- what was your takeaway from the message today? Well, I think there were some uh, real good points that were, that really, really stood out. Uh, the, the, it was the two things that um, you read out of Matthew. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And then the second one was to love your neighbor as yourself. And then as you had carried that down, you know, who is your closest neighbor? Well, your closest neighbor is your spouse. That's your closest neighbor. And then after that, it flows down to the children. And then after that, flows down to your, the people who are around you. Uh, then, then after that, to your strangers. And so the love just keeps on uh, spreading down. And some of the false idols that we have um, is that we have a trouble when we then go about uh, looking at anybody other than our spouse first. So I'm going to uh, roll over real quick. Uh, Hamilton, if you're there, tell me, tell me uh, one, give some people a little background about you and where you, you went to and, and how you got on God's plan. Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, Hamilton Bell grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, Got into education in a roundabout way. I came through corporate America, went through a series, had accomplishments in corporate America, but then I went through a series of medical problems where I got laid off. I was tried. Um, had to recreate a career. I took a job at the lowest job in education and worked my way up by realizing that it was a calling that was calling my name ever since I was in college, but I never really wanted to go into education because I did not want to do it. There you go. So real quick, so that the, I think the message for to you to in your life experience is that there's a calling that you have, and when you don't follow that calling, and, and the, the message today said, look at how far you have fallen. And, you know, you... <laughs> And I and, and we, you see you're laughing. You you've stopped going to plan that God had, and then all of a sudden you started falling. But now you're in a situation where you rose back up, focusing in on on the your ordained plan. Uh, I'm I'm humbled at what happened, but I literally had to walk through the valley of shadow of death before I realized what direction I should go, and I told myself that. Lord, you'll lead me through this. And I remember he said something, don't be afraid to walk through open doors, know who you are and what direction you're going. And the direction I was going is where it was leading me. But on the other hand, I had to suffer a little bit. And I'm still figuring it out daily. There you go. And and as you're figuring out, Doc, did you come back to us? We lost you a little bit for the second, Doc. Yeah, I'm back now. All right. It's interesting. You know, but living, out here in the, living out here in the country, um, the uh, the uh, internet kind of comes and goes, you know. Oh, that's how it is. So, so yeah. did somebody go up to the windmill and w- wind it back up and give you some more? <laughs> 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 so we're going to we're going to uh, go into what what I really think and really hope is that we're going to be able to. Uh, well, I shouldn't say we. You two are going to be able to really help young men uh, as they are understanding the responsibility that they have to the first love that God has given them. And uh, since the doc, we lost the doc Hamilton. I'm a, and since the doc's been, I think married longer than both of us, doc, tell me, give me your background a little bit on how 
you look at the first love of the eighth church. And, and Hamilton, if you weren't there, the eighth church, it's God said, where two or more of us are gathered, I'm gathered in your name. And so the eighth, the, the closest eighth church is you and your spouse. So we're going to talk about the eighth church. How's the eighth church going for you, Doc? Eighth church going great for me. And, you know, I, uh, for me, uh, what has always been uh, a striving model for both me and Rebecca is that uh, our um, our marriage is a covenant relationship, not just between the two of us, but between God. And anything that we do to break that covenant relationship, we've broken off our relationship with God. That's probably the number one thing, and that we, we put God in the middle that way, so God is the center. And so God turns out to be the glue, because we're too weak to hold ourselves together by ourselves. We're not strong enough to maintain that strength that it takes to endure year after year after year of marriage. And so God has been the glue stick us together. As long as we put God in the middle, we're stuck and we can't separate. The other thing is, is we, um, the other thing is, is we uh, um, uh, have uh, the other model for me, at least, is that uh, my job is not to make my wife happy. My job is to bring my wife closer oh, oh, to see, the background see, and say, what? Listen yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, I hear her say, wait a minute. You, you, better, you, hear that? you got two jobs. All right, all right, you got two jobs. <laughs> you got two jobs. Hamilton, no, Hamilton, I, hold on. Hold, hold on a second, Doc. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to go back to Hamilton for a second and let you clear that back up. But we're going to come back to that for a second. Hamilton. No, no, I got to finish it, though. There's a point here, though. My job actually is to bring her closer to God because ultimate joy and ultimate happiness can only be fulfilled by God. And if I can get her closer to God, she'll be happy and she'll have joy. And, and so it, if I can get the, And staying with that, stay, that, staying with that for a second, doc. And that is the, the design that God had from the beginning, because he said, I'm going to bring you a helpmate. And that helpmate's is design is to bring you closer to God, and then your job is to bring her closer to God, and then collectively you'll both then lean towards and focus in on the first love, which is God, and feel His love pouring down. And I say that's not always been an easy thing to do. Um, things are not, and I'm, but and I'm, that's and, hold on. And, and I'm presuming that you're talking from your wife's perspective, right? <laughs> hold that hold that thought hamilton hamilton are you there i'm here i'm here and he, and he said that it hasn't always been easy uh it's never easy um one thing about marriage is a series of compromises you have to understand that it's not always your opinion you have to listen to opinions i become a better listener as i've been married but i also realize that as much as I want to be heard, I need to listen to, so I can hear what she's saying too. That's a two-way street. That's not always easy. There you go. And and when you think about that, and we talk about our pride, and it's really hard when your pride gets in the way, and it's really hard, especially I think it gets difficult when people are successful. Like you go into to the office, into the school, Doc goes into the clinic, I go into court, and we all want to make sure that everybody knows that we're in control and everybody needs to listen to us and follow our plan. And somehow, sometimes that doesn't translate. I'm going to say sometimes. <laughs> that doesn't translate at the house, does it, Hamilton? No, it doesn't translate at the house. You know, she exercises the First Amendment, but that's okay. And... I'm thinking about if, since you got into law, thinking about all the way down to some capital punishment if <laughs> if you don't listen. <laughs> well, series of compromises. Series of compromises. And I remember that was one of the first things that I remembered. The the one thing that I remember about Hamilton, you telling me about marriage. It's a constant state of compromise. You can't always look at what you want. And I've found that when I look at what is important. And I told when I counsel people that are getting married or talk to people, I say a couple of things. Number one is today is the floor, not the ceiling. 
Today's the floor, not the ceiling. You know, you know when we, we all had the same grandfather, you know, you, you heard some good uh, comments from him. You never reach the ceiling. You always have the floor. And the other thing is, is when you wake up, and I've been trying to do this, wake up, number one, thank God for health. Thank God that I have another day. And then thank God that he uh, has given me my wife, Marla. And then I say, how am I going to make her day better today? And I tell all the young people, if you're listening out there, even it doesn't matter how young you are. If you do those two things at the start of your day, I think you're going to be pretty well. Take it over for us, Doc. So the other thing is 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 to um, to pray together uh, and to uh, and, and to walk that walk with God together. And so uh, prayer um, always um, tends to to help. I've uh, uh, had many patients who've had problems with their marriage. You know what I want to say about marriage is that one thing I learned I was going through. You know, prior to getting married, you always have to meet with the minister and they talk to you about different things. My greatest takeaway that I received was don't go to bed on an argument. Even if you don't understand what the other person is saying, at least tell them you love, you care about them. Let's talk about it in the morning. Because you never want to be at a point to where you didn't say something to someone that you loved and cared about. And the, and the other thing that I, I uh, am taking away is um, I've had a, the, I'm going to call it the privilege of being at the bedside of people who are getting ready to pass away. And I remember a couple of ones uh, focused on, and I remember asking um, one of the a lady whose husband, one of my mentors, and I remember her, the last thing that she really said to her husband is she gave him a kiss and she said, I love you. And I, and they were married, I think 50, 60 years, something like that. Wow. And I said, uh, has it always been that way? <laughs> and she said, and, and, and she said that it's, it, there's been some rough times in there, you know, in that 60 years, rough times. But then I thought to myself and I try to share it with, with anybody it, when you're there at the bedside, and Doc, you've been at some bedsides with people too, the what all the arguments that they had over the 40 or 50 years doesn't matter at all. The only thing that matters is that they get one more day, one more breath together. And I think if we start using our marriage that way, saying, hey, we only have one more breath, because today's the only day that's promised. And what is the last thing you want your spouse to remember if you're not going to be with them when you leave the house or you're not going to be with them when you wake up. And since you're back on, Doc, you, you put some more quarters in the in the windmill and got got back online out there in the country. That's right. Got there we go. Back up again. <laughs> so uh, um, so I um, I will not leave my house when. Rebecca and I have not reconciled an argument because it might be the last time we might see each other. So I always make sure that I that I that that I I leave the house in peace. I will never leave the house with us unreconciled because I don't want to all of a sudden come back and find out that was the last thing that we ever said to each other and that's the last thing we ever did. And and, and I'm then, hoping that and I, and I always wake her up. I always wake her up at five o'clock in the morning to give her a kiss before I leave. <laughs> Five o'clock in the morning. She just loves it. She loves it. She loves it. <laughs> At least jump early. <laughs> <laughs> after after what? 30, 30 How many? How many years, Doc? Uh, thirty-six. So she has thirty-six of three hundred sixty-five days of five o'clock in the morning kisses. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and apparently, that's some of the late dot, the late days that you left, huh? Five. Yeah, there's some that been earlier than that. There's been some two o'clock in the morning ones too. Yeah. So what, if you had to tell a young person who's thinking about getting married, what would be the first thing you would tell? I'm going to go with Doc first and then Hamilton. The first thing I would tell them is to have God in the middle of their marriage always and and have a covenant relationship. Understand it's a covenant relationship with God, with God in the middle. And there is no the, – the, the idea of you not being together doesn't exist. A thought doesn't exist. God's in the middle. God's the glue. 
You've made a covenant relationship with God that you two are going to stay married until death do you part. And I remember on that point, one thing that, that our dad said, when you eliminate negative options, you only have positive results. And so when you, when you eliminate negative options, and I remember a pastor saying when they got married, the advice that he got was that there was two things that they needed to know. Number one is that there's nothing that can happen that's too great that God can't resolve. And number two, if divorce is not allowed to be spoken in coming out of their lips. And if people put those things together and then hear what our dad said, when you eliminate negative options, you only have positive results. You, you just, anytime negative options come in, negative, and you got to, but you got to also understand what a negative option is. Because sometimes people think that staying in a marriage is a negative option. I'm, and I'm going to, on that note, I'm, I'm going to throw a lot of that piece over to Hamilton. Where are you, Hamilton? I'm right here, Zach. <laughs> you know, you said a lot, but I, I will say this, and I want to say something that Dr. Dan just said. You can't be afraid to tell somebody that you love them and say goodbye. Because I remember that I did something when I was 18 years old. Dad said he wanted to talk to me. I came in the house. I said, Dad, I don't have time. I'll talk to you in the morning. I woke up that morning. My dad was dead. But what it taught me a lesson is, is that now I don't ever want to not say to my wife that I don't love and I don't care about you. And I think that sometimes we're giving messages by God that you don't really realize the message you're receiving right then. It's later on in life. And the piece that I probably appreciate more so than anything is I have somebody that understands me. I understand them. And I also realize that I'm not above saying I care about you. I'm just not above that. There you go. And and so that, is that what you tell a, a young man who's uh, thinking about, or pers- either young man or young woman who's thinking about getting married? I tell him. If well, well one thing I would say, add in there, is uh, your spouse is a gift. Your spouse is a gift from God. And you should be thankful to God that God sent that person to you. Um, and and so uh, when you're when you're looking at it that way, I mean, it's a gift, and you should be very grateful. It, it took me a long time to recognize the fact that maybe God sent my wife to me, and I didn't just find her, and it wasn't me or my good looks or my charm or none of that stuff that really brought her to me. It was God that brought her to me. Hey, hey Hamilton, if, if he would have asked us, is it be based on his good looks and charm, we probably could have helped him early, couldn't we have? Oh, no. excuse me, excuse me. Good looking brother. I just want to, that's all that counts. But, but, but it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember I would always see my wife when I was driving to work and she would be driving, I would wave to her. And then we knew each other in a different way. But little did I realize that we had more in common and we knew people and we were being drawn together, but I didn't realize it at the time. So it is a gift. And it's also a gift that someone that always puts family first and puts God first in your life. That's important. And I think in your situation, like you said, that you guys were so connected, but never didn't touch each other uh, in a relationship for a while because you both grew up in the community, right? Yeah, we both grew up probably about uh, maybe a mile and a half, two miles from each other, Max. Yeah, and 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 Doc Barry was a, was a, the famous uh, veterinarian in the community, and and you guys just well, not, only, not only that, but I didn't realize this is that I always joke with Jill is that he was the first African American, first person ever of color on the school board in St. Paul. When I graduated from high school, he shook my hand. And I always teased Jill. I said, your father realized that I was the guy that you were supposed to marry later on in life. (laughs) (laughs) And and I I want you as a son-in-law one of these years. (laughs) He didn't didn't recognize it, know it then either, but but somebody else. You know, know, but but you never know how things are going to work out. One thing about being married, and, 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 and Dr. Dan will tell you this too, you not only are marrying your, your wife, you're marrying her family, and you have to understand 
that you have to accept a whole nother family in your life that you may not totally agree with. But on the other hand, she's marrying you and accepting your family, too. Yeah, that, and that that can be difficult. And, and when we were talking earlier and you said that, Marla said, I know exactly what that is because, you know, we have we have my mom who comes here for about seven months out of the year to get out of the winter cold. And uh, that we I think that obviously we you got to honor your father and your mother and we're, we give great honor. And I think we've added life to to my mother and hopefully some well, at least Marla's added some joy. You know, I think that people come to come to see her, and 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 I I just kind of ride along, but you know, you you have to accept the family, and I think that this is even more important for people who are coming into relationships in marriage, uh, where children are coming in as well, and it, sometimes it can be difficult to love the person's children as much and care for them as much as you do your own biological ones. Well, you know, that, that kind of hits home for me because, you know, we, I had Aaron, uh, before Becky and I got together, but Aaron and, and Rebecca have been become, have, have grown very close to each other. Uh, and then the, you talk about family and of course her family didn't even come to our wedding and said some very cruel things about me. Uh, and, um, uh, Rebecca wanted nothing to do with her family after that. And interestingly enough, I was the one who made her go back to her family. It wasn't her dragging me to her family. It was me who told her to go back to her family and, and mend the relationship. And it was a positive thing. It always turned, it turned out to be a good thing. Yeah, there we, there we are. And, and I think that that actually is some good advice as well to couples. And I like how, I like how Doc says some things. Mend the relationship. And that is one thing. And I'm going to challenge um, men because God has, his design was for the, the men to lead the family. And if you're going to be leading the family, then it's got to be your responsibility to mend the relationship. The, like I was saying that the lady that on the side of the, the bed, when she her husband was getting ready to die, she was talking about how nothing mattered uh, during the relationship, all the arguments that they had was a waste compared to what they're now going to miss. And so I, I would encourage men out there. I encourage either men and women, but I'd really encourage men to give a concerted effort to continue to mend the relationship. And some people will say, well, it's not broken. How am I supposed to mend it? Well, you mend it by adding another layer of, protection and another layer of strength and i'm gonna go to hamilton because how, how many years it, and, and i don't like to ask people how many years they've been married because i do criminal defense and it seems like you know i ask my my clients how many years can you do in prison so i'm always trying to be mindful <laughs> to not ask people how long you've been married and i told marla i said we are not, we are only gonna stay in the honeymoon year because i've never i've only divorced one person and that was because of marriage fraud uh, in the first year of marriage. So I figured if I never leave the first year, I could never get divorced. But anyway, so th that's some crazy mindset that I have. But I always ask people, do I still look like a newlywed? And I want to I want people to look and say, yeah, you still look like a newlywed. That's the newlywed love you still have. But going to, to, to Hamilton, um, when you're talking about mending the relationship and strengthening it over over the years, um, What's some examples of how that's happened for you, Hamilton? All right. First of all, to answer your first question, 39 years we've been together. We've been married for 34 years. So I dated for five years. And I got to tell you guys this, and you guys didn't even know this. When I was thinking about getting married, you know who gave me that endorsement? Said, you need to marry her. MZ. Oh, our brother? Right? Our brother? MZ. Wow. Mitchell said, hey, Hamilton, she's the right one. She'll keep you on task. You need this. I, I encourage you. There you go. Never told you, I never told you guys this, but yeah, that's what Mitchell said to me. And so the long story short is that what I realized is that I have to tell her some things that, 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 that keep it fresh, like when you first start dating. If you think when you first start dating, you always had that little spark in you. 
You always want to acknowledge that she's special. And then especially as you start having children, then you got to talk about the things that actually picks her up and makes her feel good. Because ultimately we get knocked down and we expect her to lift us up. Is that pretty accurate? That's that's really accurate. I mean, we, we lift each other up. Um, but it's a series of keeping lines of communication open. And you want to keep your marriage fresh and you want to do little things, even if it's going walking, even if it's going for some ice cream, even if it's just sitting back here and talking about how you guys used to be. And then you always, no one wants to feel that we're getting older, but unfortunately, father time catches us all. But it's nice to tell somebody, well, you look as good as the first day I met you. There you go. <laughs> or, 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 hey, hey, or you look better. You look better. Well, you know, like the, but, but, but those are those little things that you look at because ultimately us as guys, we think we don't age. But when we look in the mirror, we realize we age. We realize that we can't do what we used to do. So the point is, you gotta, you gotta keep it fresh. All right, and and do you? How do you? Uh, so there's two ways a marriage can go. So we're gonna stay with Hamilton first, and then run back over to doctor. There's two ways a marriage can go that I've seen, and it's either it gets stronger, or it goes away. And how do? You, what's what's the steps you've done, Hamilton, to make it stronger? Make it stronger. I make sure that I include her more with my decisions that I make. I make sure that I don't bring work home with me so she doesn't have to listen to me of a ramble about what I've done during the course of the day. And then I ask the question, what have you done special today? Please tell me about your day. I'm willing to listen to you. And, and that, that has worked out in a lot of different ways, but I have to be more understanding to what her needs are and meet those needs. Because ultimately, I expect, you know, you expect certain things, but you have to give something to get something back in return. And then another piece is don't pretend as if you don't listen to her when she says something. We get preoccupied with our mind. It goes here and it goes there, but then say, yeah, honey, I heard you. I really appreciate you saying that, or thank you for sharing. And, and that may not seem like much, but that's important. You know, because after three or four years, you know, you go like, wow. You know, when, you, when, you, when you've been married longer than you were single, that's a long time. It was like, uh, so we didn't even, we didn't even, uh, we didn't even she was uh, a, a roommate of a friend of mine. And she said, oh, this is Becky. Uh, and I go, oh, yeah, yeah. And then she just walked right on by. Two of us wouldn't even say more than hello. Uh, and interesting, she was at Sharon and Melvin's wedding. Right. She was at Sharon and Melvin's wedding. She was she was there with somebody else, not with me. And then uh, we didn't start. This is went on for like three or four years. And then finally, when I got into medical school and she moved back home to Rochester, was when we got actually got back together. This friend of mine, Liz, said, called Becky up and said, "Hey, you should call my friend Zach. You know, he's a good guy, lots of fun. Give him a call." That's crazy, isn't it? So she called wow. you. Yeah, she called me. Yeah, because I, cause I used to date this girl next door to Jill's house when I was in high school. <laughs> and I knew some others, and I'm just going, just like, what the heck is going on here? But um, as you I wasn't, up, a, I, was, I, wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been a very good person from a relationship standpoint at, at that age uh, to really date. So uh, I had some, some oats that got sold, that needed to be sold at that time. I don't have a halo around my head. Um, I did some things that, you know, it was, I'm not all that proud about and stuff, hey, but hey, some I, of the stuff looked all good. I, I, I got a daughter. I got a daughter. It's great. It was a great thing. I mean, I'm glad she's here, but was my behavior a proper behavior of a, of a Christian man? No, it wasn't. But Hey, you know, you got to make the best of those things that happen. And I, and, and I, I tell people, know, I didn't want to report my kid. I didn't want to report my kid. And I tell people but, I, I'm like Paul. I'm like the Apostle Paul. At least I haven't murdered anybody yet. So there's still there's still some hope for me. You have to get that stuff out of your system so you appreciate what you have. Yeah. If you don't get things out of your system and you're doing it because someone's telling you to do it, it's not going to be for the right reason. There you go. And you got to really take that time and uh, uh, and understand. Although the one person said that you 
date or you marry everybody that you dated because they shape your they shape your mind your relationship mind and mm-hmm. so he was saying that and and in the in the sermon today what was it uh a so bad association brings about bad character and so the the idea is that you got to you got to stop start with who you associate with be, from the beginning and surround yourself with good people and then if you start surrounding yourself with good people then those people are going to cuz like Dennis said somebody told Becky to give him a call well if you're hanging out with a whole another group of people the person who's going to call you is going to be of that same character yeah but but you guys didn't know to this day that that was Mitch did talk to me about that and he said he said Hamilton we're messing around. Need to get married. This is this she be she would be great for you in the long run. There you go. And I just yeah, don't, don't don't try don't miss this one as it's going by. Was he? Yeah, well, yeah, but but you know what though is that the beauty about this is is that you can have relationships with the families, and everybody is telling you something different. And the people that are most unlikely that are telling you something that you need to hear, you got to listen because they don't always do that. What year? What year would you get married? Thirty-four years ago, was it eighty-six? <laughs> so you got married right after two years after us. You got married in eighty-four. You married in eighty-six. So right yeah. after you married same year Jessica was born because she was a little tiny baby. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you yeah, got she married. Was a baby. So you got married right, and that was one of one of Mitch's last statements. Then, uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was kind of. You know what? Because Mitchell it, died before the wedding. Yeah, you yeah, got married. But, no, but, but he told me this that, that in June the year before. Because I'll never forget, I went ahead and I got Jill a ring, and then I didn't see her for 24 hours. The engagement ring. I said, man, she take my ring and run from me? <laughs> she looked at the... I said, the brother worked hard for this money, man. She probably couldn't get in the jeweler, the jeweler just for 24 hours to make sure that stuff was good. I, I, just, I just said... Hey man, where'd you go? <laughs> yeah, she she went to the jeweler. She's like, check this out and make sure this yeah, stuff ain't glass. Yeah, like, that about a year before it was in June. I'll never forget that. And I just said, you got a lot of. He said, hey, look, I haven't always made good choices, but I understand what a choice you should make right now, Hamilton. I just said, all right, bitch, I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, and then after then afterwards, I went to Jill. I said, Jill, I think we should get married. And she said, What? Where's this coming from? I said, No, no worry. You know, I didn't tell her that I talked to Mitch, but that's what he said to me. Wow. I'll never sometimes, sometimes it's the Lord speaking to you through somebody else. Uh, like I and, said, and yes, unlikely, so. unlikely, but but you know, the wisdom is what the wisdom is, and it comes from where it comes from. But, yeah, but do- you know the. But, but here's the beauty about this is that no matter what, we as kids, we grew up different directions. But as we've gotten older, we understand each other. And all of us are, are you know, in different ways. You know, it's, it's come on. You know, it's just like when you gave me Big's number the other day when I mm. called him. That's oh, it. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, and I, said, that's the one thing, man. Like like I said, I'm, I'm still looking at the clock on the wall and stuff. I'm like, I have not been in your house when when we when you used to live over there up the street from your brother, I used to walk in your house all the time, and and then I, you move. You know what though? It, it, the house is just a house, man. It's just just a place where you lay your head. But having somebody that you can spend time with—that's huge, man. Huge. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you can't put a price tag on it, man. And, and you Not get, at all. And somebody you, that you somebody you can trust too. You know, somebody you can trust. You know, they're going to be there. You know they're going to tell you the truth. You know that they're honest. I mean that's the, that's a real big deal. Yeah, uh, but yeah. You, I mean, of anybody of anybody in the world on the planet, anybody on the planet who I trust more, nobody. I trust Rebecca more than anybody. You know, Big Din, you said a whole lot there because I do trust her, Jill, and I know one thing: she's going to be there for me no matter what. She's going to fight hard. Fight hard every day, every day. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we didn't get a chance to talk about unconditional, you know, God's unconditional love for us. And then our unconditional love for our spouse and our spouse's unconditional love for us. 
Dang, Jeff, too bad you can't, you're not recording all this. Oh, I thought she said it wasn't any good. Oh, and his mic went out. Oh, Jeff, Jeff said he's still recording. I, I just messed up. Okay. So I'm, he's going to have to cut this <laughs> out. So, yeah. This, <laughs> so since, we're, since he's still recording, maybe we'll get a, a whole different one in there. So go ahead and talk about unconditional love because I'm, I'm hoping that Marla listened to this part of the uh, – <laughs> That's part of the message. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a, it's an unconditional love. God has an unconditional love for us, and we're in a covenant relationship with God. And sometimes we fall away and we make mistakes, and God forgives us. And then we have an unconditional love for our spouse, just like we have an unconditional love for our kids. You know, we're supposed to forgive everybody, what, seven times, 77 times? That's a whole lot of forgiving going on there, you know? And so it's that unconditional love. Women are better at it than men are uh, at unconditional love. Men are sometimes have struggled with unconditional love. Yeah, but I'm going to come. I'm going to add to that too, uh, Doctor Dan. In our professions, people look at us to help people all the time, and we always go the extra mile, no matter what. We go the extra mile. It's hypocritical if we don't come home and love our families and give them ten times more than what we've given everybody else. And sometimes, sometimes we get to the situation where we drain ourselves by helping everybody else, and then you get home and it's like, hey, I don't, I don't want to help anybody. But I, I'm going to take that, Hamilton. I appreciate you throwing some more wisdom on. No matter you, when you, what you, how many, how many times is that? Ten times more I got now. Ten times more, man. You, you because everybody looks at you as the expert. They look at you to do everything. You're helping this. You're helping this person. You're helping that person. And then you come home and you say, I'm tired. How can you be tired of people that, that, that that's a position you have, but coming home is an obligation. Why are you, why, why are you not going to treat your obligation like your position? Oh man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this stuff's getting recorded because I'm going to try to remember that and try to share that with, with it. And when we're talking about, and people talk about obligation in a negative, but I want to make sure that everybody understands that an obligation is a positive. You have the obligation that God has given you, and that obligation is to care for the best gift that you have. It's like, you know, and I tell people, it's like someone says, I'm going to give you a mansion. And it's like, really, you're going to give me a mansion? Yeah. And you can live in it. You can decorate it. You can do anything you want to, make it any way you want to, and... I may or may not come back, but I'm probably going to come back sometime and want to live back into it. But until then, you can do with anything you want to it. And I ask people, what would you do? You know, would you, first of all, would you feel grateful that somebody gave you a, a mansion free to live in? And then what would you do to it? Would you tear it up? Would you have parties in it? Or would you try to take care of it? And then when the person comes back and says, after 5, 10, 15, 40 years, and says, hey, I want my gift back, are you going to be thankful that you got the 40 years to, to have it for free? Or are you going to be mad that the person took it back? And I, and, I, and I think if we start looking at our relationships that way, that's the only way I could put it in a, in a concrete ma- manner because our relationships and the, and the gift that we got and what Doc said that, that it's such a great gift from God can't even be measured with anything that's, that's in the human realm. But if you start thinking about that, you're going to say, yeah, if I, got, if I had an opportunity to live uh, rent-free in a mansion for 10 years and then I had to leave and give it back, oh, I'd be happy. For, I wouldn't be mad that the person came and took it back. But – that's that's how we I think we need to take our our relationships too. that. We've got a great gift from God and we should take care of it every day like it is the mansion in heaven. You know, you, know, you, you, remind, you remind me of uh, one of the uh, statements in one of Paul's epistles on uh, you should love your love your wife. Love your wife onto a weaker vessel, and and everybody says it's not a weak vessel. It's a it's it's not a weak person. It's not that it means she's not strong. It means that you need to treat her like a weak vessel, like a and a weak vessel would be like china, would be like crystal. Would be that's what that is. It's special. 
What do you do with China? What do you do with what do you do with your China? You cherish it. You put it in, in a high regard. You treat it real well. You don't just throw it on the ground. You know, you treat it super special. Crystal. What do you do with your crystal? You bring. You know, you, you cherish it. It's the most precious part that you have. And so, you know, when he went on that part of the Bible, that's always struck home with me. And then, and then the the important part that they that he puts in there is that you. Love your spouse. You're supposed to love your wife. Right. As uh, as God you have to show them love. As God loved the church and he gave up his life. And when you walk into a marriage, you have to walk into marriage and realize that your life that you had, it will no longer be the life that you had. The life that you had is no longer your life. The attitude that you have is no longer me. It is about you and about us. And I think that when I look at it and, and I've done, I was either, you know, it's financially has been beneficial, but, you know, sadly for society, I've done over a thousand divorces and every one I look at, it's a situation where one of the part, well, one of two things. Number one is the person walked into the marriage for the wrong reason. And a lot of people walk into marriage, oh, why did you get married? Well, everybody around me was getting married, and I figured I needed to. And other people were in a situation where they walked into the marriage, and what they said was that um, that I had a child, or he. everybody said he was a good guy. And so there's reasons that they walked into it that weren't the right reason. And and when you walk into it with the wrong reason, then you're in trouble to start with. So that's the first thing. The second thing, which I've looked at when I've done all these divorces, is that people have not looked at their spouse and said each day, I want to make my spouse's day better than it was yesterday. Because if it is, if you walk down the aisle happy and you knew that this is a marriage, and that's the floor, not the ceiling, then I don't know how you can do anything but go to go up from that day. So, and I've seen other people, the, the, the ones that didn't make it, they did not look at that from that standpoint. Focus that's in a, on that. You there, Hamilton? That's, a, that's an interesting perspective. But I, I, I will say this is that as you get older and you get more into a relationship, you leave that floor and you start elevating towards that ceiling because you appreciate a lot of little things you never did before. Just appreciation. Oh, oh no question about it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, so I, I like your analogy about the floor to the ceiling, but as in the floor, you're just realizing that, hey, look, I need to get up and I need to be a man. And then going back to another point that you said, Dennis, with family, they're the only people that got a past where you they can do things more than once to you. Right. Every, everybody else, they don't get that second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth chance. But it also is when you doubt certain things, that's when your spouse brings in things that remember this when they did that. So self-reflection is important too at times. And you don't always have that because you guys, you know, just like playing sports, you got like this, you got this tunnel vision. But once you take your hands down, oh, your peripheral vision is going to see a whole lot better. His perspective. That's it. And and if we since we're gonna stay with the sports, uh, you know, being way back on the, on the defensive back, and I think we got the whole line. We got the we got the lineman, we got the linebacker, and we got the, and we got the the not very good safety. But we're just gonna leave that alone. But each <laughs> each one had to talk to the other, and each one had to carry, and each one had to have a responsibility into that team. And if one was not if one person made a mistake, it was the obligation of the other. So if Dennis missed the tackle, H, that was going to be your responsibility to clean him up. You know what? Um, it's funny that you mentioned that. Wouldn't it have been great if all of us would have played ball together and how much different it would have been in some ways? Oh, yeah. That would have been great, wouldn't it? No, and I would have my state championship ring. That I don't have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all have our state championship ring that we didn't get. 
that our kids well, that, that's that, the still, ne- that the next generation got. That the next generation yeah, I'm still got. remember that. I still remember that. We would have had our ring. Yeah, but they got it. But on the other hand, too, we got each other for life in a whole different ball game, and we realized that we had more in common than we didn't realize. And that's important. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, no doubt about that. Yeah, and it's interesting how you know other people look at at our family. And they're like, how are you guys all so close? And it's like, I, you know, it's just the, the mentality. That I th- and I think it goes back to grandmother Zachary and her mentality. And I talked about it when I on the, the message, when will it end? When I talked about how she used to make uh, meat scraps with, with white beans and feed anybody that walked in the house. So when you have that mentality and then you have that mentality that family's got to come first and you're tight with it and you got to come and have their back at all times. And like Hamilton said, they get the pass. What it, what, what's it? You can, you can choose your, you choose your friends, not your family. Right. And I think that, that's that, right. I think that that helps. And it also helps when you have that at that mentality and attitude that not only my family, but my spouse's family um, have been chosen for me and that I'm going to battle for them as much as I battle for any uh, anybody else, and they're welcome just like anybody uh, anybody else. My nieces, my nephews, everybody. They're they're all one family. I'm glad for that because uh, my 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 daughter's working with you now. So I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you're accepting your. I'm glad you're taking your nieces on there. Oh man, and, and unconditional love, Hamilton. I might have to use some when her office next to mine because you know she's got some things she's gonna be saying to me. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, but, but at the end of the day, it's your faith and your family are uno. Your faith and your family are uno. I don't care what anybody says, and we get mad about this, and we can question the DNA maybe in the family, and whether not this is something I want to see, what I don't want to see. But your faith and your family are number one. That's it. You can never, you can never question that. And, and that's what I was talking about in, in the message about the eighth church. So they got the seven churches that Jesus wrote to in, in the book of Revelations. And then we got the eighth church, which is your fa- the gathering that you have in his name, which th- starts off with your spouse and your kids and your, your cousins and aunts and uncles. And I think that if we look back at, uh, you know, I was, I was telling Jessica that what I would like to see is the daughters of Jay come together in a concert. And just the voices that, that they individually have lifted up praise to God to bring all those people together. I actually want to see it just for the fun of watching, what, 50, 15 or 16 of them in one room at one time without killing each other. That by itself would be a little comic, but but I think that... Um. <laughs> but but i was thinking about that when i was with in the male course i was thinking about uncle ben how he always had that positive attitude about things and then being with your dad and then with uncle lou and the four of us together you know it was you know you you when you get a little bit older you understand what the old heads were talking about you didn't see it as a kid but as you got older you understood the game better right but i was really glad that and that, and I used to talk about the Wheels Club. Man, I learned a whole lot of stuff in that Wheels Club. And for the audience, if anybody's listening in, there was a, a organization that it was called the Wheels Club, and it was men who worked the train, and then they formed an organization so that they could go and have a place to meet, and they would play cards, and they would bring in their their they had their locker, and they'd have their own their own personal choice of beverage i'm going to use that term their own their own personal choice of beverage and they would they would uh they would always um just talk and i used to listen to them and and then they they went to a period of time where they had um where they had a lunch on wednesday at the wheels club and i used to try to go to lunch with my dad once a week and well, I asked my dad, I used to ask my dad, man, can, let me cover it. Let me cover it. No, you don't think I can feed my family? And I'm like, dude, I'm in my 30s with my own kids. I can, I can pay for that. And I talked to this one guy, and this one guy said, never 
ask your dad again to pick up the meal. He said, because that is an insult to him as a father to claim he can't take care of his family. I was like, dang, dang, old man, you just gave me some knowledge that, that, that I could, I never even thought about. So wrap it up. I'm going to uh, give, give me your last, your last point, doc. Uh, well, um, I, I think that, and, and I tell people this all the time, marriage is a great institution. It is absolutely a great institution and you should, you should cherish it. You should honor it. Um, and make sure God is in the middle of that uh, covenant relationship between you and your spouse, and let God be the glue. We all change. We get older. Our personalities change. You bring kids in. You bring grandkids in. You bring uh, bring their 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 spouses come in, and, uh, and there's dynamics all to happen. And and you can easily easily drift apart. And the only thing that's going to keep you together is is love of God and God holding you together and God being the glue. Um, there are a lot of other things that we can do and uh, through the course of our marriages, uh, but as long as we stay focused on the fact that we are, this is not our final destination. Uh, we all, our goal is to go to heaven. That's our, that's why we're here. And you want your spouse there and you want you there and you want your kids there. And God has the, has the book, on how to do it, the instruction book called the Bible, read it, follow it, and, and follow the directions that are in there, and then continue to read together, pray together, worship together, study Bible together, uh, do things together, uh, and make sure that that, that that person is the most important person in your life. And they say you need to take care of yourself first, your spouse second, and your kids come after that. Kids don't come above your spouse. Kids come below your spouse. There we go. And, and, and my goal is that when people look at my marriage, that they say, I want to have a marriage like that. And I think that, that at least for me to you, Doc, and me to you, Hamilton, um, that's two things I can say. That when I look at you two guys, that I say that they have a good, solid marriage, good, solid family, and... I want to also be able to be in the situation where people look at my marriage and say, I want to have a marriage like that. Thank you guys for coming on, and I appreciate it, taking your time on a Sunday. And be blessed, and everybody hug your spouses today, and we'll talk to you later, all right? Thanks for the opportunity, Zach. Thanks a lot. All right, bye. Thank you for listening today. Thank you to all our guests. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Stephen Zachary Minister Gilbert, the Arizona Message Ministry on Facebook, and feel free to send me an email to the message2.us or to my private website, stephenzachary.com. Thank you to Haribo Books for supporting us. That's haribobooks.com. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks.